0: Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. We want to open up our Bibles to the book of John, the New Testament book of John. This is the fifth part of a five-week sermon series, and it's the last of them all, of what we call Upside Down, what we have been going through the past five weeks is we have been looking at long conversations in the book of John that Jesus has had. So a lot of these conversations, a typical event in the Bible might be like 10, 15 verses. These are all 40 verses long. So a lot of times folks don't preach on these because they're so lengthy, because you have to read so much. and um, But they're important conversations because Jesus here uh, has... Uh, Unique conversations, and then it always means something else, and there's always a deeper meaning between the story here, and that's what we're going to see here. So, this is his last conversation he has of these past five weeks, and really of the book of John, of these long conversations. And this is one here about Lazarus. Lazarus is going to come back to life. Lazarus is one of three people whom Jesus raised from the dead, excluding himself. Not counting Jesus being raised from the dead. Three people in the Bible were raised from the dead by Jesus. The first one was in Luke chapter 7. And what happened? There was a funeral going on in a little town called Nain. And um, and this widow lost her son. And back in Bible times, that would not be good. He would have been the provider for his mother. Jesus walked up and touched the coffin. And the boy sat up and he came back to life. And then the funeral home director had to give a refund because there was no funeral anymore. It didn't go very well for the funeral home director, that service. But it went very well for the lady and for the son because she got her son back. Two chapters later, in Luke chapter 9, there is a synagogue leader, a man at church who ran the the local church there, synagogue. His name was Jairus. He had a young daughter and she died. And Jesus told everybody he was going to go see her because she was asleep. And they started laughing at him. He goes up into the room, ran all these people out of the room. He took her by the right hand, and her Bible says her spirit came back. She came back to life. He then, Jesus, gave the little girl back to her daddy. And he was very excited because he received her, his daughter back. And then the third person that came back to life is the last one here, and that's Lazarus, which we're about to read. And this is a story here about how God takes in many ways, what we would view terrible, unusual, terrible circumstances and brings glory to himself. In 2004, in January 2004, I went on my very first international mission trip. I was engaged to Sherry. I was a, um, I was a student at uh, uh, New Orleans Seminary wrapping up school. And we were, I was going to go, or I went to Indonesia. I had never been out of the country before and we went there and worked with some international mission board IMB missionaries and we went there and we worked Indonesia is actually the most populated muslim country lots of muslims are there and we were on the main island called java and right and that's where jakarta is the capital city and while we were there we were there 2 weeks and while we were there the IMB missionaries were talking about their work in Indonesia and there's one island that is just northwest of Java, and it's called Sumatra. Sumatra was the most difficult island for Southern Baptists or any type of Christian missionary to do work on. And the reason why is because Sumatra, uh, Islam, came to Indonesia hundreds and thou- or thousands or so years ago, and, and it landed on the very top of Sumatra called Banda Aceh, is this community. And it is 100% Muslim. And it is extremely um, a terroristic style Muslim. So what would happen is if Christians had churches there and they built a church, they would burn them down. And they would go find believers and run them out of, or if not kill them, run them out of the city and say, you don't belong here. And it was a very challenging place The IMB missionaries, I remember them talking about how hard it was for us, for Christian missionaries, to do work in that region because the extremists there did not whatsoever want any other religion than Islam in that whole community. Well, that was in January of 2004. On December 26, 2004, there was an earthquake in the Indian Ocean. And it was a 9.1 on the Richter scale, scale, day after Christmas, 11 months later. And it actually hit just a few hundred miles. The epic center was a few hundred miles right off the coast there of that city called Bande Aceh. Bande Aceh had over 300,000 plus people there. And a 100 foot tsunami wall came and just wiped out not just that whole city, but that whole island. and then, uh, on that island itself, in that community, over 167,000 people died. Two-thirds of every single building were totally demolished there. I mean, it was utter devastation. You can actually go on YouTube and look at some of the videos. They're still up there of what happened there in that community. And it didn't just hit Indonesia. That earthquake, over 200, nearly 230,000 people died from that tsunami, from that earthquake. In India, Sri Lanka, Thailand, uh, Malaysia, it hit all in that region there, uh, uh, no- north of Australia, around those Indonesian islands. Well, what happened in the aftermath of all of that loss and death, of that terrible tsunami? If Some of you all remember this, was so in December 2004. Because of the devastation and the loss of life and the loss of everything, What was once a closed area to Christian missions and uh, pretty much any believer coming in there, they had to have relief and aid workers to come in there and help rebuild their city and help gather up the dead and just hospital care. So thousands of Christian missionaries and Christian aid workers and uh, IMB missionaries that were literally could not go in, and if earlier that year were, able, were being invited to come help and to come serve. And the gospel all of a sudden started spreading on the island of Sumatra. And the point of that story, people started getting saved on, on that island, and churches started being planted. A lot of those people, the whole mindset changed after that. When you lose two-thirds, two-thirds of the people in the city died. I mean, it was just tragic loss. All of those uh, buildings were destroyed. Even the mosques, everything was destroyed. God used that tragedy and even the loss of life to actually open up the door to people now being saved in hearing about Jesus. And what we're about to see right here is something extremely similar In Matthew or in uh, John chapter 11, so that's what we're going to read here. This is the story of Lazarus, and he had two sisters. So, I'm going to tell you about this little family. Lazarus has these two sisters, one's named Mary. Mary, you might know, this is not Mary, his Jesus' mother, this is Mary, the sister of Lazarus, and the sister of Martha. Mary was the one who would sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he has to say. She was just a learner. She wanted to be on the first or second pew and just pay attention. Martha was someone who realized she had chores she had to do at the house. So when Jesus came over, someone had to bake the bread. Someone had to get the house looking nice. Someone had to prepare some tea. She was always going about. they were all good things. Someone at the house has to do this stuff. So she's there sweeping and cleaning and serving and getting dinner ready. So she's not at the feet of Jesus. She's working she's a busy, bo- not busybody, but a busy bee going around working away, uh, doing good things, but she's not listening to Jesus. Mary's over there anointing. Mary's also the one that anointed Jesus with the alabaster jar and wiped his feet. I mean, she just has a personal worship of Jesus, which is good. But Martha is, in earlier in the book of John and other Gospels, Jesus spoke to them and said, Martha, Martha, you are so preoccupied and worried about these other things, this housework and your chores, but Mary has chosen what's most important. So these are two sisters, and they have a brother. And their brother is Lazarus, and he's dead. So that's, that's the family right here. That's who we're about to meet. So these are the characters of the story. We've got a busy bee, Martha. We've got feet of Jesus Mary. And we have dead Lazarus, the brothers. So that's the little family. So that's what, who, who we're about to talk about. And we're going to see all these people here. And Jesus is going to teach each one of them. He's especially going to teach Martha. Because she's the one that struggles with understanding well, who Jesus is. Now, I'm in John chapter 11. I want you to follow on your Bible. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus was very close to his family. They lived in a little community two miles outside of Jerusalem called Bethany. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha her sister, and Lazarus. So Jesus was close to this family. He knew these folks. These were good people. These were his disciples. After that, he said to his disciples, he said, let's go to Judea again. I think I skipped verse 6, which says that when he heard his sick, he stayed two more days in this community. So Jesus does not right away leave and go to see Lazarus. He stays where he's at. So he's up in Galilee, and he doesn't go back near Jerusalem. And he's just stalling. And we say, what's he doing, Pastor? He's waiting for Lazarus to die, because he knows what he's about to do here. So he tells his disciples, we're going to now go back to Judea. That's where Jerusalem is. That was the area last time he was there. They tried to kill him, because he healed a blind man, which we saw last Sunday. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now, the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going to go there again? You know, notice what the disciples are worried about. They're worried about dying. They're worried that they are going to die. This is very important because we're going to see here how Jesus is over death. And His disciples still do not get it. Jesus, Death not, does not bind Jesus. He's not worried about being stoned. He's not worried about dying. Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this and told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Now that's an odd odd way of saying Lazarus is dead, but he's saying here, you know what? Some people, they walk during the day, And they don't stumble because they have light. And some people, they stumble at night because it's dark. That means while you're, I guess, alive, you can see during the day. And then at night, he's saying, Lazarus here has died. Night has come upon him. It's an odd way for Jesus to say, our friend is dead. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will get well. Like who? If he's sick, why do we need to go wake him up? Jesus, however, was speaking about his death. But they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let's go see him. So now Jesus is starting to reveal his purpose of Lazarus' death. It's not just, you know, Lazarus just died, we need to go wake him up. There's a greater purpose in his death to help the disciples believe. Say, what do they need to believe? They still do not believe that Jesus has power over death. Jesus, even though he's already raised two people from the dead, the disciples still are worried about getting stoned. Jesus was not worried about dying. He was not worried about getting stoned. He had a specific mission He knows the future. He knows what he's going to do and he's working in this, trying to teach them. He's saying, I am the life. Death should not, death does not bind a person. You know, some people they walk around during the day. Some people when they're dead, they walk around at night, I guess, is what he was saying earlier. Day or night, because of people's soul we're about to see here, they're still alive. Then Thomas, called twins, so this is Doubting Thomas, who, has, who is a twin, he said to his fellow disciples, let's go too so we may die with them. See, all they're thinking about is that we're going to die if we go to Jerusalem. So they're thinking, die, 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 die. We're going back to Jerusalem, and it's not going to be good. That's, he could not quit thinking about that. So Jesus is going to use this for a teaching opportunity. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived, he found Lazarus, had already been in the tomb Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. So, Martha, you know, she's somebody who's, you know, she's got to make sure the house looks good and she's hearing that Jesus is coming. So she runs out of her house and she's going to go on the edge of town and meet Jesus and inform him of what's going on. She heard that he's coming, so she goes to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I don't know if she really believed that. She made that statement there, but she said, if you had been here. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. They were wanting him to make it in time to heal him so their brother would not die. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Jesus just made a statement here. We cannot, we cannot miss this. Even though you die... You are still alive. He's saying Lazarus is still alive. He's not dead. Now, look, keep going, verse 26. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. How is that possible? The Bible teaches us all the way back from the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and Genesis, chapter 2, that we have a soul that does not die, that is what lives on for eternity. And Jesus is telling us that if we believe in Him, our soul never dies. Even though our body dies, it never dies. It just continues on to be with the Lord. And He's telling us, He asked Martha, do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who's come into the world. So Martha's still just struggling He asked that question, Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe you can live forever? Because I am the resurrection. Having said this, she went back, so Martha hears what Jesus can do. She went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you, Mary. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him, so he's on the outskirts of town. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to cry there. So they're still crying. So they're figuring Mary's going to go visit the tomb. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Notice every time we see Mary in the Bible, she's falling at Jesus' feet. She's here worshiping him. When Mary saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, so everyone's crying, there's just sadness everywhere. He was deeply moved in his spirit and was troubled. So Jesus had empathy. He saw that this this little family, Mary and Martha, whom he loved this little family, and all this little village here, Bethany, they were grieving the loss of Lazarus. Because Jesus knew. Said, so "Why is he grieving this? He knows what he's about to. Do. He's seeing and witnessing the sting of death. He's known these people are they're hurting. They're in pain. They're in anguish. Sin, because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, which Jesus was there in Genesis chapter three. That He knew what happened. Adam and Eve were deceived, and sin entered into humanity. These people are going to experience death. They are going to experience pain." Just as we experience it. Jesus here, he has empathy for him. His heart is troubled and he's upset. And he asked these ladies, Where have you put him?" He asked, Lord. They told him, come and see. So now they're thinking he's going to go visit the body. And he's going to go there. And then this is the shortest Bible verse. If you're ever in Scripture memory and you want to memorize a verse a day, you, if there's ever a day you're really busy, you don't have time to memorize one, this is it. It's John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. There it is. Jesus wept. That is your shortest Bible verse in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. He goes there. He's with Mary and Martha. And he's crying. Uh, say, Pastor, why is he crying? He's crying because he has empathy for their pain. This whole village is hurting because Lazarus, Mary and Martha, who's very well known, who were just wonderful folks, have lost their brother. And he's he's sad with them. He thought this is not at all what was supposed to happen. He's thinking this wasn't supposed to ever occur. He He knows the only reason this man died is because the devil brought death into the world. Death was never supposed to be a part of creation. It came about as a result of sin. uh, Humans weren't supposed to die initially. This was a punishment for their disobedience. So Jesus is weeping with them. So the Jews said, now as he's crying, he's got people making fun of him. So the Jews who were there, because there's a lot of folks here, we're all going to witness, what is Jesus going to do? Now the disciples are there too, and they're shaking in their boots. They're scared that they're going to die. They're worried they're going to get stoned. Remember Thomas, he said, we're going to go there, and we're all going to die with you, Jesus. So they're thinking, I guess everybody's now going to die. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes have also kept this man from dying? They're mocking him. They're saying, you know, Jesus, whom you all follow now, He couldn't keep on alive. This man died. He couldn't do it. Do you know, if you are ever around a family, or you have family, or you have friends, and they experience death, someone dies, do you know, I have learned, and the Bible teaches us here, notice Jesus, it's not so much, He didn't say anything. There's a ministry of presence. Meaning, you just show up. You just go visit them at their house. You show up, because they're not going to remember what you say. They're not going to remember anything you let them know. All they know is you came by. And you were there. You prayed for them. You hugged at them. You consoled them. You cried with them. That is what Jesus is doing. Jesus isn't preaching a sermon to these folks. He walks in, everyone's crying because Lazarus dies. He cries too, and he says, well, where is he? So it's like he wanted to go pay his respects. And now while he's doing that, he's got folks making fun of him over here. But watch what's about to happen. Here we go. Here's the miracle. So here comes the twist as well. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. So this would have been very similar to the type of cave that Jesus would have been buried in. A stone's blocking it. It's a place of burial. Remove the stone, Jesus said. That's all he says. Remove the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, who has expressed her doubt to Jesus, told him, Lord, there's already a stench because he has been dead four days. That is the second time we had to remind Jesus he's been dead four days. He smells bad. We don't want to pull the body out right now. We don't need to have a bonus memorial service. We don't need to dig them up from the grave. Like Jesus, this is not what people do. This, This isn't good. So Martha's trying to instruct Jesus and help him come to his senses on he's dead. Martha still does not believe. She doesn't get it. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Do you believe this? Anyone who believes in me has eternal life. Watch what's going to happen, Martha. She's just she's there with Thomas. She's that doubting person. She's living a life by logic. Jesus told her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? That's what we're, we're going to. Lazarus' purpose is not to show off Jesus' skills, it's to teach all of these people here watching. That Jesus is actually over and beyond death. Death does not bind Him. He is not worried. He is not scared about getting stoned. Even when Jesus died on this cross here, He submitted Himself to that death. He was the the sheep willingly going to slaughter. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and surrendered Himself to authorities. He didn't pull a sword out. There was no fighting or pushing back. He didn't give a testimony when he was standing before Pilate. He was just silent and said, yeah, I'm the Son of God. Even, even Pilate couldn't get him to say something try to get him off the hook because he knew he was innocent. So Jesus the whole time, there's no fear of Jesus of death. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and he praised this prayer. Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you have always... Heard me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so they may believe you sent me. He prayed a prayer, but the prayer wasn't so much that he needed God to hear him. His prayer was so that these people standing here, what he's about to do, there is a greater purpose, and that's so these people believe. The greater purpose, I believe, of that tsunami that hit Sumatra, Indonesia, was so that the gospel would be free to go flourish and spread on that island because it was 100% Muslim. And now there are believers in churches there because of that tsunami. It has changed the attitude because of the Christian relief workers that came over there and the missionaries that helped out. And we look at the tragedy and loss in our personal lives. And we say, God, how can you take something that's so terrible that... Involves death, disease, setback, disappointment, financial problems and ruin. How can you use this for your glory? And that's what he's doing right here with Martha. He's reminding her and he prayed, I need all these people to witness this event. What's about to happen? After he said this in verse 43, after he prayed this brief prayer, he shouted out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen stripes and with his face wrapped in a cloth. So Lazarus walking out of the tomb. He's come back to life. He, he looks like a mummy man bound up cloth all over him. And you notice that phrase, Lazarus coming. Jesus has authority. If he would, He's speaking to a graveyard. If he would just say, come out, you remember, all the people could have came out of the tomb, so they had to call out just Lazarus out of the tomb. So Lazarus came out of the tomb. He comes out with his grave clothes on. And Jesus looks at this man walking around with white, white linen everywhere. And Jesus said to the people, unwrap him and let him go. Do you know when you get saved, you are pulled out with your grave clothes on. That is your old life. Lazarus doesn't need to wear that anymore. They said, unbound him. Take all this stuff off and let him go. This man is now alive again. Why did Jesus do this? It was to show to Martha and to Mary and to all those people there, including his disciples, who doubted that Jesus, going back here, was the resurrection and the life. To show to them, says, look, I have the power and authority to... to continue life there is no death with jesus we were made for the glory of god lazarus brief four-day death was a greater purpose to teach these people that jesus is over death listen god does not save us to just avoid pain god jesus empathized he was right there he wept he, he felt that emotion with them. He used pain. He used death to teach people about the Lord. And I think in our personal lives, we have to say, God, is, is there things I'm going through? Are there things and situations that have occurred in my life that look so dark, that look like you were running late, that you were running behind, And I felt you didn't come through in time. I felt you didn't deliver. And now I'm left wondering, God, what's going on here? When in purpose, Jesus purposely delayed. Do you know the greatest delay in Scripture isn't just here, this little delay with Lazarus. The greatest delay is actually what we're still waiting on right now. And that's the second coming. Jesus... Has delayed God has delayed the second coming because he's wanting people to get saved. We wake up and we wonder, is this going to be the day Jesus comes back? Is this going to be the day I stand before the Lord and give an account for my life? These two women here, Mary and Martha, felt Jesus was late. He didn't make it in time. Even the Jews who were with them mocked Jesus saying, he was late. He couldn't save Lazarus, but he saved the blind man. He gave him sight, but he couldn't keep this man from dying. When Jesus is saying, no, all of this was the perfect God's time. So what we do is we take this, and maybe we have, you have things going on in your life, and you're wondering, God, what is, what is going on with this? This makes no sense. I don't understand. Uh, it seems uh, off. It's confusing. What are you trying to teach me? And that is the main purpose here. Jesus was not trying to show off his skills to say, look at me, I can bring people out of a tomb. That is no problem at all for Jesus. He can raise any dead person he wants to. Because he is life. He is the resurrection. He wanted these people who witnessed this event to place their faith and believe in Jesus. That's what he was. The real audience of the resurrection wasn't Lazarus walking around in grave clothes. They look at me. It was these people standing over here because they did not believe in Jesus. They did not see this is the Messiah. He is the life. He is the one that can take any situation that anything that has occurred to us and make it to bring glory to God. And I asked you this morning, saying, You look at your life and saying, what are you walking through? What challenges have you encountered? And you're asking the Lord, says God, what are you trying to teach me in this situation, with these consequences, with this event, to teach me about you so you get all the glory? These people here believed Jesus because of this. Mary and Martha were changed. The disciples were changed. They realized, here we are scared to death Worry about getting stoned. Thomas is over here talking about we're going to Jerusalem to die. And Jesus is saying, what are you talking about? I'm bringing people to life. Y'all are clueless. Y'all have missed it. This isn't about death. This is about life. The ministry of the gospel, the ministry of Jesus, is actually seeing people saved. And He's using Lazarus so people believe in Him. This morning I ask you, Are you and have you seen the greater purpose of God in your life through some of the maybe recent things you have walked through? A death of a family member, a setback, disappointment, hurt, pain. You say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? I don't believe it's an accident we come to church I don't believe it's an accident we hear these type of messages. Jesus gave us with this upside-down message of saying, this isn't about Lazarus, this is actually about you and your faith. And for us, do we believe, no matter what happens in our life, God is going to take that and use it for His glory. If it involves sin, if it involves God being late, if it involves pain and hurt, The Lord takes every single thing that curses us and uses it for Him. We were made and created for the glory of God. Mary and Martha are realizing it. And I ask you this morning have you realized God has a great purpose for you? I tell you, I'm going to invite our band now. Beecher, if you'll come forward, we're about to have our invitation. And I only tell you, it's no accident that God brings you here. And the greater purpose of what God does in your life. And so that we respond to him. Jesus looked in that prayer. He prayed. He said, Father, I'm doing this so that those standing over here believe in me. And that's why we preach the gospel. That's why we teach here. So that you and I, we believe Jesus. We live in a community. We live in a wonderful state that is desperate to believe in Jesus. God uses tsunamis, earthquakes, Disappointments in our life and people running late, like Jesus did, two days late, with a greater purpose. So we believe. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. <clears throat> if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to believe in Jesus, just like Mary and Martha and the disciples did in this story, you come forward and take my hand and say, Pastor, I want to get saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to experience the life in the resurrection that he offers. This is also our time. You can join Broadway Baptist Church. You go, if you've been coming to church here, you need to be a member here our church. This is your church home for you and your family. Zach Bauer's going to come stand up here and me. I'm standing right there. Now's our time. As our band leads this song, we sing, you respond.